You're now tuned into the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humble host, Herut. And we got the good brother here. Brother Ra, how you doing? I'm doing all right, brother. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. You know? Um, you know, finding uh finding this 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 you know, this whole new situation, this whole quarantine vibe, you know, um, very productive, you know. Able to get a lot of different things done, get a different flow going and stuff like that. So, um, figuring a way to make it work, you know. How about yourself? Indeed. Hey, you know, man. <clears throat> they say uh, people get bored and all that. Well, when you're internalizing and studying and you know looking at charts and things like that, you're never bored. So. <laughs> Uh, staying busy, man, you know, despite the situation, you know, I mean, um, I'm kind of the same pretty much either way I stay in the knowledge. So, you know, it really doesn't bother me to kind of be in this position because this is where I usually dwell anyway. So for me, it's all good. Indeed. Indeed. Well, um, before we, you know, get too far, I want to uh, remind you all that this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprucia Astrology and our patrons on Patreon. Um, I want to send a special shout out to them, Akmah High and um, Kenamenti. Um, you know, and we got some other ones rolling in as well. Uh, we'll reveal those next uh, episode, but um, we definitely appreciate our Patreons, um, you know, helping us further this this endeavor and and you know taking it to the next level and whatnot but um you can find push it forward media group on instagram and on the web at push it forward that's p-u-s-h-i-t-f-w-d um and of course you can follow this podcast on instagram at cosmic convo um there you know you can reach out to us and there you find a link to you know all of our stuff right um, brother Ra, how can they get in touch with you? Um, people have been definitely getting a hold of me, um, which is excellent because there's a lot, a lot of things. Even though uh, you know we're not able to get out and about, we're able to still you know uh, get in and within. So uh, people are definitely hitting me up, and the main way to get at me is astrology at gmail dot com. Uh, that will filter over. I have everything kind of funneled into one email. So if you hit me on one of those three, one of the three I'm going to give you, 
it'll by some by some means it'll get to me. Uh, so first would be astrology at gmail.com. Uh, the second would be uh, on Facebook, and that is uh, Shechem Raw on Facebook. And then same thing on IG, Shechem Raw on IG as well. So either one of those would definitely tap me on the shoulder. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, So, you know, last episode, episode three. Um again got a good very very good response a lot of good feedback a lot of people hitting us up and stuff like that how did you feel about you know how that that episode came out oh man uh, great feedback i was very pleased with the response that i got from the people so uh like i said you know these episodes you know they're just going to get better and better uh you know we have a whole list of things that we're going to discuss this season that really just topped the cake from last season so uh, you know, folks, spread the word. We've been definitely getting new followers, which is wonderful. But uh, these 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 podcasts, folks, are honestly they're almost like little little classes, little lectures that you can take and apply to your own actual astrological practice, whatever it may be. So uh, definitely tune in, you know, and even if you're uh, a beginner, you know, you can go back to season one. A lot of good information there. And if you really want to know, you definitely can hit me up as far as classes are concerned, because they're definitely coming soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these these episodes, they're they're timeless. I mean, you know, even, you know, we did we do do some shows that are kind of time specific. You know, we talk about like your trumps and, the, you know, the uh, elections and different things like that. But the, the principles behind it. Um, are still relevant and you know the actual events that's happening around those people and stuff like that you know they definitely play a role in what's happening in the future um so i mean season one is not old (laughs) you go back and listen to that binge listen to it get caught up and everything like that and you're still going to be on point and i can guarantee you and we you know we we love you know, all the different astrologers out there, but I can guarantee you that you're not going to find content like this anywhere else on any other platform. I can, I can guarantee that without a doubt, you know, so, um, definitely, definitely, um, we appreciate everybody's support and checking us out and helping us to get this stuff off our head, man. We <laughs> yeah, got stuff rumbling around and, in our in the mind and stuff like that wanting to share with the people so this this gives us an opportunity to do that indeed um you know so moving on to um today's topic now um you know what we before i go into that brother you got anything you want to you want to chime in on or before i before we get into today's topic or anything like that no sir no sir just uh just you know, um, one 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 minor di- uh, digression here, um, and that I put a post up this week. Folks, you may have saw it. You probably saw it on Facebook if you're following on Facebook. Um, and it mentioned what I had mentioned earlier in regards to the nature of the illness or the the virus that is. Um, kind of plaguing mankind at this time and 
I mentioned it was airborne, right? Before they mentioned it, before they really kind of start prognosticating that this thing has the ability to be transmitted via air. And, you know, that's the benefit of astrology, you know. And let me say this. We already mentioned that 2020 was going to be a doozy, but no astrologer that I know mentioned anything about a pandemic, not one. But what you can do is follow the nature of the pandemic and how the pandemic is going to manifest or whether it's going to uh, reinvent itself, whether it's going to transform, whether it's going to um, mutate as they call it, same thing, you know, different ways of saying the same thing, or, you know, what time you can generally see this thing is going to dissipate. That is also the benefit of astrology. So it's not just predictive as far as what's coming, but also how to navigate the current times that we're in. So definitely go back into the, listen to that episode and watch and see how these things unfold. I gave you some time specific dates in that particular episode. Watch and see if those dates unfold. So with that being said, we definitely can move on to today's topic. Indeed. Indeed. So, you know, um, today's topic, it, it was one personally, uh, I was a little reluctant to even go this route. Because, I, I mean, from the time that we started doing this show, I had people mm-hmm. hitting me up, asking me <laughs> about, <laughs> about this topic. <laughs> And I was like, man, I don't know, man. I think I want to stay away from that. But um, I think mm-hmm. since we got a good little foundation under our belt mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I think it's a good time for us to, you know, kind of uh, go ahead and, you know, throw a wild card in there or whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other wild card shows that <laughs> that's hanging around out there that, you know, we <laughs> we may be approaching another season or something like that. But um I think it's a good time for this one and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, last season we we did a show on, you know, the relationships topic. Um, I think it was episode 14 where we talked mm-hmm. about, um, you know, the uh, soulmate thing and stuff like that. Um, and this season, we're going to hit it from a little different angle. Um, you know, we're going to, you know talk about a little bit a a relationship model that in modern terms may be a little complex and a little controversial um and you know essentially what people have been asking us about is they want to know what in astrology you know what's a good indicator in a chart or what is what 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 brings about a polygamous situation and specifically polygynous situation um astrologically and um it's 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 definitely um out there it's definitely um a foundation for you can look in the classics they talk about it right um but there there's also some you know some maybe some cultural biases that sneak in there as well that might, you know, the way how a, a, a culture may look at it now may reflect the way how they try to look for it in a chart. So um, I know, Brother Rye, you've you've been, you know, studying this particular as this particular type of model from an astrological perspective. And, 
Um, you know, what, 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 what have you, what have you been seeing thus far? Or you can just even go back and, you know, kind of, I think it'd be good to give people kind of like a framework, you know, of what, what is polygyny and, and kind of like a historical cultural framework of it to kind of tie it into how it fits astrologically. Right. Sure. 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 Um, and that's a great place to start with any astrological reading that you do, uh, is to understand the culture, uh, that you're reading it in. And, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, Western civilization has spread throughout the world, um, pretty much to every nook and cranny it could reach. Uh, if it could change that particular area to uh, live the lifestyle and persuasion of a Western world, it already has or it's done so, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Western world has touched everything. And the Eastern world is beginning to touch the world as, as well. I mean, it's been touching the world since, you know, even, I mean, there's there was a movement in the 60s, you know, with the whole uh, hippie movement and then, that kind of thing, and then this New Age kind of stuff, which borrows from the East, because the New Age is not Eastern, folks. It is New Age, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, cultures define the way we look at any type of astrological uh, purview. And without understanding culture, you will never render a prediction valid. Um, just because, you know, the way the planets influence man, it has a broad range. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's not narrow. Um, and so you'll find someone that has a very similar chart to your, even your, even yourself, let's say even in the United States of America, someone born in the, um, the slums and the, the, the ghettos of Philly, right? Versus someone born and you know um denver colorado you know, they're gonna have very two different you know charts even though they may very be very well very close in nature yeah um so you know you have to even those type of nuances have to be read but when you're understanding marriage marriage is a cultural thing right it's always a cultural context no matter what and um for the most part uh when you look at marriage as a culture, as a culture, as a cultural aspect of civilization, um, you know, there's, there's, there's different ways that mankind has processed this thing. Um, and this is not to slight or be racist by any means. This is just speaking some historical fact. And there are documents and people that have done the research to substantiate the information we're, we're about to share. And this is not, this is not a secret, but I just don't want it to come off as biased or racist. But for the most part, Western civilization has been conquered by the European man, and this type of civilization has been um, has looked at marriage as a very one to one type of situation, and understandably so because when you understand what's called the cradle theory you have civilizations that are birthed out of different cradles the northern cradle and the southern cradle and this is all backed up by 
um, uh, some of our uh, greatest researchers, um, some of our greatest um, minds in the African community, one of which uh, goes by the name of Sheikh Antadia or Sheikh Antadio. And uh, he wrote several books, uh, several great titles, but the one that really focuses on this subject is called The Cultural, Uni the Cultural Unity of Black Africa. And the subtitle, The Domains of Matriarchy and of Patriarchy in Classical Antiquity. And it goes and, and explores, really, and talks about the differences in how different cultures, northern versus southern, view the same institution. Yeah. Or just, for example, viewing the, the in, just viewing people themselves. You know, there's words that are used to describe each culture. Um, the northern culture is xenophobic, uh, meaning that they have a fear of people. And the southern culture is xenophilic, meaning they have a love of people. Uh, the xenophobic cultures, those being typically the northern cultures, typically uh, don't bury their dead. Uh, they cremate their dead. Yeah. Um, southern cultures bury their dead, right? Um, northern cultures uh, typically don't have a respect or a profound understanding of their uh, a profound relationship with their elders. Yeah, right? where southern cultures uh, admonish, not only admonish but uplift and uh, revere their elders. So um, one uh, admonishes. I mean, not much as uh, acknowledges, excuse me, uh, ancestor worship, which is the Southern culture. And then Northern culture typically doesn't. I said typically. So when you understand these things, right, um, then you begin to understand that marriage as an institution is going to be very different from the mindset of an African versus of a European or someone that is under the, persu under the uh, persuasion of these types of cultures. And yeah. so an African culture is going to generally yield a more communal base with regards to marriage and family and community. Well, you can, you, I mean, I, I don't know if you're about to go here, but um, I mean, you can look at it from, you know, the perspective of how they came up, you know, um, I mean, you're talking about northern culture. I mean, they came up in a very cold, brutal type of environment, you know, um, where, you know, maybe, you know, just even, you know, women to them in that environment where you, you, you don't you're not growing crops, you don't have those things in place. So you're following herds around, you know, and stuff like that. You're you're looking at it like, all right, this person is slowing me down. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we almost got attacked by that. <laughs> that wildebeest the other night because he was trying to save you <laughs> right <laughs> you know um the, the only mm. thing you're good for is giving me an air you know what i'm saying other than that mm. i don't need you you know what i mean I, I could see i don't agree with it but i can see that kind of permeate into the culture what do you think well absolutely um there's another book by Mac michael uh uh bradley uh, I don't know if you've heard of that one. Iceman Inheritance. Excellent yeah. book to read. Yeah. Excellent book to read. Uh, another one is called Urugu. 
by um, Mirimba Ani. And if I was Mirimba Ani's age, boy, Mirimba Ani, boy, I'd be on you. <laughs> she's, mm. she's a beautiful sister. Bad sister, right? One of the ones that I would really consider a true goddess. Right? A sister that uh, by far has um, shown us a different perspective of European culture. Um, the book is itself, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's a thick read. But uh, definitely worth it. But each one of those, um, and we can talk about uh, Francis Cress Welsing. Uh, we could talk about um, uh, um, um, uh, what is it? Uh, he's still living. Um, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. But you know, these different the understanding that culture itself is going to birth the way we handle an institution such as marriage. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, being xenophilic, right? Community is about sharing. Marriage is about sharing. Marriage is about support. Marriage is about making sure that the community, in fact, you're not marrying just one person, you're marrying a whole family. Yeah. Right? Whereas now we have been romanticized and westernized into thinking that, well, oh, we marry somebody, right? Well, in the chart itself, the chart itself even holds the in laws. As one of the what we call jiva items of a chart, and we say jiva items, right? That's what you learn in the class. To understand that you under, that a chart has two different types of dimensions to it: jiva and non-jiva, living and non-living. Well, that your actual in-laws are actually inculcated into the chart itself. So, astrology has already pre-programmed into it the marital process in and of itself. Yeah. Right. That's why we can see certain things in bar none. So understanding how this works, right? When you get to culture, right, and looking at astrology and looking at marriage and mixing them all together, you have to have a good sense of what planets are gonna do what in what in what culture and why, right? Certain things are just pretty standard, but certain things are not. Certain things are, there's variables to this. Now, understanding that the xenophilic culture is going to have the support of the community, meaning that they're not going to look at the competition that's necessary in the colder environments that's not necessary in the southern environments. Yeah. And that's really what we're getting to is the competition that's needed, right? In order to sustain my husband, my wife, right? Possession, ownership, right? Property, which is really a Western concept primarily. Yep. Not to say we didn't own things in Africa and things, that's not true, right? But I'm saying that in the sense of community, community comes first, right? Then you. (laughs) <laughs> in America and Western culture is you first, then community. So the it, orientation is very much different. If you even get to the communal aspect ever. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the hood. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> Your neighborhood, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Missing the other understanding of how this works because your neighborhood is not just the neighborhood it's literally an extension of your own actions yeah right and where you choose to live is usually an extension i mean this is true just generally speaking you usually live around people that are an extension 
of what you do. Yeah. Right. So, but nonetheless, it's a whole nother astrological conversation. But nonetheless, we're, we're really focusing on the cultural understanding of really how to read something in a chart to get the, 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 the necessary message to say, is this the right path as far as this person for polygyny? Or are they better suited for monogamy? Right? Yeah. And so, um, in the West, right, polygyny is like a bad word, right? Yeah. It's kind of got a negative connotation to it, right? It has a um, dark side, as they say, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> m- monogamy doesn't, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, right? So, you know, it's demonized, right? And anything that's demonized has something that can be kind of looked at through an astrological lens, right? Each culture has what we consider something that is out of the norm or not in the the uh, the, the the mindset of the people, right? That you know that's what we call taboo. Right? Yeah. Um, that's outcast. You should be outcast for that, right? Or ostracized for that, right? You should be made a pariah, right? Um, when you understand how these things work, when you look at a chart in the Western sense, you're going to be looking for a very specific combination to happen in some regard. And there's very there's so many ways for it to happen, but you're going to be looking for it because the norm of Western society is monogamy, right? So, and it, there's a double-edged sword to this, and we'll talk about how that works here in just a minute. But what's always good for the goose is not all. What's what they used to say? What's good for the goose is always good for the gander. That's not true, right? Yes, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's just not true, folks. In fact, I mean, even in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, even in Ayurvedic medicine, your physiology, the, your your body type is primarily the first place that we start to understand how your health is 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 faring. We can't start any place with unless we understand you personally, right? So one size doesn't fit all. Never has, never really will. <laughs> so yeah, right. Understanding right that we live in a culture that looks at polygyny as the abnormal reality. Except Utah. I know somebody's gonna say it in here. What about Utah? Well, I mean right. that that's <laughs> I mean Utah <laughs> is part of the reason why I got such I mean I, look, uh, we might have some listeners in Utah. I'm not trying to, you know, say anything about anybody's culture, but no. It's been some strange it's, some different things that's occurred, you know, and that's kind of the face of polygyny in America. Hmm. You know. Well, let's give let, let's give the folks and the folks most, most folks some folks might know this. Yeah. You know polygyny there, right? Is under under the auspices of Mormonism. Yeah. Right. Do you know the founder who the founder of Mormonism is? I forget his name. Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. 
for the folks that don't know, two things for folks that don't know about Mormons, right? Mormons actually have what in their in their like temples that was called a meditation room. Number one, I didn't even it blew my mind when they showed it to me. I'm like, whoa, like, are you serious? Didn't even like you'd never know, right? <laughs> Number two, their founder Joseph Smith actually studied a subject in his day and age called pyramidology. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. Right, and was quite familiar with ancient Kemet, with Kemet. So kind of strange, right? Yeah, that they have their own state, their own learning institution, and they're allowed to practice a marital system that is foreign to the to to the majority of most Christians, right? And they're they're actually still considered Christians, you know, for the most part, the latter Christ, uh, Church of Latter Day Saints, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're just little things that to consider, right? Maybe mm-hmm. somebody's practicing notice something that you don't know, right? And they kind of put that to the side, you know, tell you. But nonetheless, back to the subject at hand. When we're looking at a chart and understanding how to see if this person is built for this type of marital system, we have to look to find something that is going to bring them to a level to desire to a, a level where they want to desire marriage so bad they will go beyond the circumstances and achieve something that is out of the norm if that makes sense mm. right because in order to achieve something out of the norm you have to have great desire don't you yeah you have to have an insatiable need to get something done. Right? And that need has to be facilitated in an expedient way. Right? Now, when we go to the Eastern cultures, and I'm talking about, when I say Eastern, I consider African Eastern. Right? For some folks may not, I do. Right? It is traditionally Eastern. Right? Yeah. Their approach, when you look at a person, let's say we're looking in that, let's say we're looking in Nigeria, right? And we'll look at a chart. We're not going to look for the same factors because we're not, the the cultural um, purview of this is not going to even be close to being the same. Polygyny is very well, very well accepted in Nigeria, right? Very well accepted in Ghana, right? This is this is not foreign to the African mind or the Eastern mind for the most part, right? So we need to look at things from a different perspective. If someone comes to me, I can I can actually look at it from a Western perspective in their chart, just the same way I'd have to do it the reverse here. I could do it the reverse there because I'm going to automatically know that it's inbuilt into this society. So I already know that I'm looking at certain things, the 7th and 11th, well, we'll get into the what those planetary interactions are, but they're going to be almost, well, I don't even have to do certain, uh, res- I don't have to do perform certain research because it's already embedded into the person's mindset. That's how you begin to really read the chart and read the person's under- understanding of a, of a person's mind. So, for example, if I know this person is um, uh, in China, 
right? They're, they're Asian, they're Chinese, right? I'm not going to read marriage and children. I'm not going to read the fifth house from the same perspective. You know why, right? Because they have a law that states that if they have children beyond a certain number, they're breaking the law. So the yeah. fifth house is going to be read completely different. Jupiter is going to be read completely different Yeah. in regards to children. So you have to read it differently. Right. Every culture has some biases or some differences, right, in some regard. But and am I am I am I, am I are you am I making sense so far? Where no, we're going you, with this? Yes, you're making perfect sense. I mean, okay, if good. You... I just want to make sure we're we're there. Yeah. So, right when we look at Western. West, just to say, generally speaking, in a chart, let's first of all establish what you want to see or look for in a chart to understand if a person is built or can sustain marriage in some degree, right? Because you have to have that in order to be able to sustain polygyny, right? You have to. Well, the first thing, the first planet we look to in a chart, right, is Venus. Right, obviously, right, because it is the planet of so-called conjugal love, right, mm-hmm. matrimony, marriage, right, affection, and so forth. So you have to see if Venus is strong, right, in a chart for men, men and women, right. And so, <clears throat> looking at a chart, you want to make sure that Venus is not harmed in some way. When I say harmed, you want to make sure that primarily there's two houses that she doesn't, You well, primarily two, you don't want it to be in. And I'm saying that this to say it's not always the case because there's always exceptions to every rule, right? There are times that the chart can be amended or the placement can be amended by other placements that will offset that. So it's not always the case, but you have to kind of use it in a general sense of the word. And then you kind of take it from there and start to apply it in a very specific sense. But in the general sense, and what we're talking about is called a caraca or an indicator. You look for Venus as the indicator of a marriage in a chart or a person's ability to hold a marriage down. The reason is, is because Venus naturally rules Libra which is the seventh sign. And it's the a person's ability really to keep a promise. Yeah. Right. A little secret. So people understand why we look at Venus. Venus is your ability to keep a promise. Mm. Right. Right. It really is your ability to say, you know what? I'm business is promise. Business is when you do business, it's nothing but a promise. It's an exchange. The dollar bill that you hold in your hand is a promissory note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So you have to relate the two to understand why Venus would be related to marriage in a chart. Right. She's the power. She has the power, the ability to hold her word as true and to make sure that what she does is going to be continued the next day and the next day and the next day. That's what marriage is. Right, I'm gonna be here tomorrow. I'll be here the next day. I promise. Yeah. Right. If a person can't hold their promise, then they can't hold a marriage. 
And the way, why we understand that is marriage is nothing but a vow. That's what I'm really trying to get the people to understand is that promise, when you say I do, when you say I promise to uphold, you, you say that in the vows, usually in the Western sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I promise, I promise, I promise, right? That's what it is. Right? So when we look at Venus in the chart, say, oh, hmm, okay, well, and this isn't matter, male or female, right? Hmm, yeah, can't keep a promise. So then we can say, okay, well, then we know you can't keep promises. So how many promises have you tried to make? <laughs> yeah, right. And then it's like, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Right? I can see you made quite a few promises. Right? We can see that in the chart very easily. But we also see if someone will keep that promise till death do us part, for real. Yeah. There are charts that are built that way. Not many, but there are. And those are the ones that are anchored very well in understanding who they are and what they are from birth. Meaning, marriage is a spiritual exercise in and of itself. It is. Don't get married if you're not ready to give 20 years. Don't. Mm-hmm. If you're not ready, if not willing to give 20 years of your life, don't get married. <laughs> this is plain and simple. I can tell you that. If, and it doesn't even matter if you like or dislike anything. That's not even the point. Because no matter what you like, you're going to learn to dislike at some point in that relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Saturn has to make at least two squares. Right or a square in an opposition, and then beginning to make another square in order for you really to learn the value of the relationship and who you're dealing with. You have to be tested at least two times for Saturn to say, "Ah, this is bona fide." Right? You learn your lesson. You grew up. You matured. You handle responsibility. Right? All the things that go along with, right. That marriage in and of itself. So, when you understand it, that's what the first thing you look for is: can the person keep a can keep a promise? Planetary placements are going to reveal that they're going to be revealed through sign placements in a in a certain way. Not always, but in a certain way. Yeah, people say, "What about a debilitated Venus? What about marriage?" People with debilitated Venuses get married every day. Yep. And sustain happy marriages. So it's not all true. Mm -hmm. But in that marriage, there's going to be some, some very key things that you're going to notice, but it may not break the marriage because everyone's make or break is different. Right. Some people might not, lie, might, not, might not mind a woman that is constantly nitpicking you. Right. But at the same time, that man that gets it, it might drive him crazy. It just depends on how his chart is built as well. So it's not always clear cut that just because a planet is in this sign or in this house, is it going to fail in marriage? But there are some clear rules that we know it usually yields the case. Right. Venus in the sixth house is primarily one of those. Now there, I've I've seen charts with Venus in the sixth house that have had substantial, long-term, healthy, viable marriages, but it's not usual. There has to be some exceptional placements with Venus in the sixth house 
to be substantiated to have that happen. And Venus in the 12th house as well. Mm. That's another one. Venus in the 12th house means the person is going to like a private marriage. Yeah. They're going to like a private relationship. Their relationship is best handled behind closed doors. Mm. That's not room for polygyny. Yeah. Polygyny is very public. Right? Venus in the sixth house means that the person is going to have an imbalance when it comes to Venusian things. So they might need a lot of attention or might need a lot of affection or might need a lot of things that really kind of imbalance the relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. They might have addictions with Venus in the sixth house. Right. So these are just things that we just noticed quickly. Yep. Hmm. Could be an issue here. Right. The other thing is, for a woman, we look at Mars. Mars, we need to look at. Is it healthy? Is it viable? Right. Because that's the type of man she's going to attract. Yeah. Right. And people say, what about Jupiter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Right. But that's, remember... Everything I'm saying to you is based on the society you live in. You live in a Western society. You don't look to Jupiter to find the man first in this society. If you do, you're going to be betrayed. Yeah. You're going to be fooled by trying to find Jupiter as the husband. doesn't work that way. Mars is a dead giveaway in this society. So Mars will show the de details of a, woman, of a man in a woman's chart. How she handles the male energy. How the male energy comes to her. Right? And so, literally, if a woman's Mars is challenged, she can't handle the pressure of a man. Yeah. Because her own innate need for self-protection will overcome and overrule his natural desire to protect. These are how, this is how we read a chart, folks. Real quick, down and dirty. Yeah. Right. Mars in the twelfth house, same rule. That's the, Mars in the sixth house is a different rule for different reasons. But Mars in the twelfth house and Mars in the eighth house, those are planetary placements, especially Mars in the, in the in the twelfth. It's one you definitely want to just be mindful of. As far as long-term marriages are concerned. Mm. Why? Because Mars in the 12th house, there's a specific aspect that Mars produces. It's called the 4-8 aspect. Mars produces eight house aspects, eight houses away from himself. If you count from the 12th to the 7th, 12, excuse me, 12 to the 6th, that's 7. One more from the 6th is the 7th house, which is the house of marriage. So, just quick little things that you should note when you're looking at a prospective person for polygyny to know these are dead giveaways. Yeah. Mars in the seventh house is a no-no for polygyny. <laughs> <laughs> Mars in the seventh house is almost, not always, almost a no-no for monogamy. So. You have to just read this with a real fine 
tooth comb. Wouldn't um now, Ma- Mars in the seven? That's um Madonna um Crocostano, right? Run the by me again. Marana. Yeah, that's Marana. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the second and the seventh house of Marana uh, Stanas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, death houses, right? Yeah. Definitely so, right? But Mars in the seventh house just denotes a real rough ride, right? Mm-hmm. In marriage, and I don't, it, I don't care how well it's placed. How about that? <laughs> no, I've seen it. I've seen it with people right. with Mars exalted and mm-hmm. just don't. Just this marriage is just not it, man. Yeah, just, yeah. The karma is not bequeathed to them in this life, typically, unless they become a divine being. Now, when you're a divine being, you can do whatever you so choose at that point because you've realized a certain level of, 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 of uh, spiritual development. But that's. Those are the exceptions to the rule. Most of the time, when you see Mars in the seventh, it's just it's just a dead giveaway, right? So you just don't want to even go there to even talk about a polygynous anything, right? In that yeah. regard, yeah. Um, let's talk about monogamy as that as the scientific uh, height of realization and spiritual spiritual realization for anybody with Mars in the seventh. Monogamy is it, right? If you can do that, but when you have a, a nice solid chart where Mars is not being interfered with or interfering anything else, because Mars can also interfere with other planets that will also render null and void any type of polygynous anything. Mars influencing the moon primarily. Mm-hmm. Now, Mars can influence the moon and be aspected by certain things that will still nullify or subdue, right, or quell those specific malefic influences between the moon and Mars. But if there's no influences that subdue that or subjugate that, then you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar that Mars with moon is not going to go well for polygyny. Right? Just doesn't go well. Unless they may play a different role, but that that's a fine-tuned thing, right? That's not a general rule. We're talking general rules right now. Yeah. Right? So, those are just general basics. That's just general basic stuff for marriage and, of course, the extension of marriage, which is, you know, polygyny, that type of marriage. But now we got to find out, well, what is the catalyst for the strange behavior to the West of why someone, that's some strange stuff. Why do you want to have more than one? Right. Yeah. What what would cause someone to? Oh, that's just strange to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's something that does that in the astrological sense of things, and so one of the players, not the only one, but one of the main players, is one is is the fellow we discussed just last week, I believe. Right. Is Rahu. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right, good old Rahu, right? Troublemaker. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> right, he's yeah. cool with me. I paid my dues. <laughs> I'm just playing. I can bet you my Rahu. Period. We're good, right? <laughs> that reminds me, need to get them T-shirts, man. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, we do. <laughs> but Rahu, you know, the bad boy on the block, right? <laughs> 
he's the one that really sets it off in the sense of polygyny, right? And there's just so many different ways Rahu can influence a chart that can produce the phenomena of the or the need, right, for someone to have a, a, a out of the norm life in mm -hmm. some aspect, right? Yeah, um, because it it's it's healthy for society to for society society see Rahu the supreme being in his infinite wisdom designed Rahu to bust up the monotony. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is designed to create things that make you what to say let's say literally think outside the box. Yeah. Because without that, right? Let's say let's say Rahu didn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. You and I wouldn't be talking astrology right now. Nah. Straight up. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking astrology. Those listeners wouldn't be listening to some culture that is archaic at best, right? Yeah. And something that was designed thousands upon thousands of years ago. Yeah. Right? We wouldn't be discussed. That's Rahu's gift. To take you out of the Christian paradigm and to bring you to the African paradigm, which is now foreign to the reality in which you live. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got Rahu hanging all over me from a, <laughs> from a, from a child, man. <laughs> right. I so it's not so, right? It, it's it's anti-culture yeah. to the culture you're in. Yeah. But it's not anti-culture, mm -hmm. right? It's just anti to the culture you're in. Yeah. So, yeah, right, polygyny is not anti-African, it's anti-Western. Yeah. But we live in a Western culture, and time and space makes us realize that. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, now you understand that what you're looking at is out of the norm. It's not something that is the normal person's going to, you walk up to an, a person and ask the average person, how many people do you know that practice polygyny? They're going to say, I really, the, for the most part, most people don't know of that many people. Oh yeah. Like I, I, you know, I was, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody and they were talking about, um, you know, um, the whole, you know, kind of same sex marriage thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we got in the discussion of, you know, basically if other groups, fight for things outside of themselves you know and i was you know saying that well you know if same-sex marriage really what they should have fought for is you know marriage amongst all consenting adults and mm. and the person was like well what's the other type of marriage what yeah you know i mean you know. If, and to think about it from that perspective they will legalize homosexual marriage mm -hmm. but still outlaw or not legalize polygyny yeah that's how taboo it is so it was a, and i'm not song I'm, I'm not talking about anybody's sexual preferences folks that yeah. is not my thing i'm not here to ride on or jump on or pull anyone off anyone's bandwagon right yeah that's your prerogative what i'm saying is that the mindset of a nation or the mindset of a people to look at something that is naturally taboo in most cultures and around the world, 
and this is known around the world, not just Western culture, but even in Eastern culture, homosexuality is something that is taboo. Yeah. But to legalize that as a viable form of two people being able to file tax returns together and to be able to benefit as if they're in a monogamous relationship, but not to approve a relationship where there is an interaction between male and females just multiplied shows serious Christian bias. Oh, yeah. It was a. Back before um, same-sex marriage got passed, I was it was a panel on CNN, I think, and one of the guys was talking, and he was like, you know, if we let same-sex marriage get through, then people are going to start marrying their dogs, and then people are going to start marrying their hands, and worse, polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last you. of it, right? <laughs> That's exactly what he said. I was like, oh, wow. That's amazing. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. That's some deep-rooted... Boy, I find that clip and post it on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. But you know, I mean, it just shows, right? You know, these things are really culturally um, perceived, and so Wahoo is the one that literally pushes the cultural boundary. Yeah, he represents the ring pass knot, right? So, in order for someone to do this in this culture, you want to find Rahu. In connection to something that deals with a major aspect of the person's chart or some factor that ties it in to marriage, either through the seventh house, the seventh Lord and or Venus and an aspect from Rahu can also produce the same effect, depending on how tight the aspect is. Yeah. Well, there is the formula, generally speaking. Now, to really solidify polygyny, you want to make sure that the seventh house slash seventh lord interacts with the eleventh house slash eleventh lord in some way. And there's many ways. What is what's called sambanda, right, or binding or connecting in a chart, right. Because Sambanda can be through any sort, various ways. It can be through, right, a connection through aspect, through nakshatra ruler, right, through navamsha or dina. It's just different ways they can connect, right? So if they're connected in some way and there has this admixture of Rahu within this process, polygyny is usually very. Um, acceptable and doable within that person's um, paradigm or mental uh, way of thinking of things, right? Their way of understanding life. They're not, that wouldn't be outside the norm to them. In fact, they probably would be, they would revel in it because that Rahu factor produces rebellion in the society in which it is, in which it, in which it's placed. So that is a necessary key. Right. To do it. What you want to also look for to go counter that is influences from Saturn. Saturn will usually deny polygyny. Why do you think that might be? Um, maybe. I mean, Saturn is kind of tradition or, you know, it's brother. You said it. I didn't. Right. Saturn is very traditional. 
right? Um, in the sense that it does not like to go beyond the routine of things. If Saturn is influencing one of those factors that we just talked about, right? You definitely want to just kind of maybe not. Now, what if Saturn is the seventh lord? Then you want to look for Saturn to interact with the eleventh and Rahu still, mm -hmm. in some way. So let's say Saturn. Okay, let's talk. So let's say Saturn is the seventh lord. There's only two. There's only two ascendants we could be talking about. Yeah, right? Leo and Cancer. You said which one? Leo and Cancer. Right. Right. So. Then we know we've kind of already narrowed it down to Leo and Cancer, right? Mm -hmm. Cancer, we know, automatically shouldn't be married until after the age of 30. Yeah. Right? So now we can, and I'm saying there's always exceptions to the rule, right? But Cancers typically have it worse, right, in marriage than many other ascendants. Because they have to learn lessons first before they dive into marriage. Just they just do. Oh yeah. It doesn't work well for them as an early age. I'm talking about early age. Early, early, like twenties, nineteen, seventeen, eighteen, six or uh, uh, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, it's gonna be challenges. Saturn has to almost make his first return, then they can marry successfully. Oh yeah, I can it has to be on that verge. That's a uh that's a that's a beyond truth statement right there. <laughs> <laughs> right right leo's a little bit different but leo should still wait to at least 25 26 to marry and just because saturn rules the seventh house it just puts see the design for these types of ascendants is different from other ascendants and i'm not going to get into too much about what that means but just know whatever saturn rules typically is where you have to learn the most karma yeah right and if you think about cancer and leo you'll understand why right so we know that seventh house is going to be one of those two ascendants right for a saturn rule so then we can pretty much say, well, then we're going to look to see if Saturn is influenced in some way by Rahu. Right. In various ways. Right. Yeah. The seventh Lord can, is going to be in a place. The ruler of the seventh can be influenced by Rahu. That will produce the effect. Yeah. Right. There's direct and indirect influences that will still yield it. So you want to look, right? And there's just different ways you'll know, right? If the ninth house is affected by Rahu, this this can also produce a polygynous different a polygynous purview. Why why the ninth house? Well, the ninth house is the house that we usually produce that produces our spiritual foundation. Mm -hmm. When the ascendant lord is interacting with the ninth house, ninth lord house, and ascendant lord, right? In some way, like that person will grow up religious, right? The second house and the seventh, ninth house, right? So, religion or spirituality is a primary indicator of what we're looking at or to see. We want to see the spirituality of a person. Just look to the ninth. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't mean. Right? They might be a Christian, but it's going to show you how they're a Christian. 
But yeah. it'll also show you if they're not a Christian. If Rahu is there. If Saturn is there. Yeah. Because Saturn in the ninth creates what's called an apostate. One that goes against the mainstream of their religion. <laughs> Rahu definitely does, without a doubt. And anytime I see Rahu or K2 in that axis, man, it's some way, somehow, some shape, some form, they are not in the norm of spiritual thinking for the most part as far as what everyone else does. So that alone, when you have a different spiritual purview, that is going to change everything. Yeah. Because then you're going to say, okay, well, now that's not out the box for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm good with that. No, yeah. All right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a rhythmic when it comes to the norm, the normal spiritual purview of things. So there's just different things we can see to see up that person can handle it. Or no, this person cannot. So those are little things that, you know, you just begin to look at real quickly. Rahu, if he's conjunct Mars for a woman in her chart, she's definitely going to like a man that's going to present that in, into her life, even though at, a, at, at, at sometimes at her own peril. Mm -hmm. Because Rahu creates, right? Sudden, unexpected things. Sometimes I've seen Rahu with Mars. The person finds out their husband's homosexual. Homosexual. Mm. You said Rahu with Mars for a woman's chart. Yes, many times I've seen it. Mm. They don't know why. Another one, folks, just a little tidbit, and I, I, I hate to be the bearer of the truth, but you know, the way they say the truth, Teller usually has very few friends, Yeah, and that is true, right? Mars retrograde for a woman's chart is detrimental for marriage. Mm. I don't care what kind of marriage. Period. <clears throat> I can tell you it happens 70 to 80 percent of the charts I've seen, my friend. Mars retrograde for a woman. Unless it's debilitated. Which mm. causes the effect to reverse. Yeah. Uh, that Mars is in any kind of other dignity. It's bad news for marriage. <laughs> It's just the law because the martial energy is meant to be externalized, especially for a woman. And people say, why not for a man? Because a man's, na he's naturally martial energy anyway. So yeah. he, it's not detrimental to him for marriage. But for a woman, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's rough. And I, I, I can tell you, man, it's just crazy how many times I've seen it. Over and over and over. It can be overcome. Because there's other factors that can literally compensate. Where it will give the woman. And let's also talk about this before we get off. Gender role integrity. That's something really has been almost. That is now becoming taboo. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah it is. Gender yeah. role integrity. Oh you misogynist. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Men are oriented towards hot tasks. Period. Yeah. 
women are oriented towards cooler tasks. Period. Yes, there are women that can do hotter things, but they cannot sustain those hotter things as long as a man can. No. Just things that go with being in this body, right? And we think that because our mind can think something differently, our body will follow. Well, gravity is still in effect despite, you know, <laughs> you're, you're thinking you can overcome it, right? Laws are still laws. And so understanding that gender integrity is key and crucial to understanding a chart in a relationship Right, there's just certain placements automatically that give us masculine women, and they're hard. I mean, unfortunately, they kind of it's 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 unfortunate, but it just they don't it doesn't do well, right? Yeah. Um. For example, like you know, if um. In a woman's horoscope, let's say if the the ascendant and the moon occupy male signs, right, or are associated with with malefic planets, you know, a lot of times a woman is is she's she's fierce, mm-hmm. she's insubordinate, she ain't going bow. <laughs> and I'm not saying bow is until bowing to a man. I'm saying bowing to the relationship itself. Like, no, I run this. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, there's a gender role integrity there that has to work if polygyny is to be viable for a long term. You can probably do it for a little bit, but long term wise, there has to be a male female counterpart. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, the same thing happens. But so what about men? You know, if if in a man's chart, if the ascendant and the moon occupy female signs, right? Sometimes it does work that way. Right. So, you know, you just have to kind of gauge this, right? And really look at it for what it is and say, okay, is this something that can be matched? Now, the other thing is, and we won't be too much longer because this will be a, this another, there's other things to add in that I haven't added in. But, just the general matrix of it, you have to see the women's chart woman to woman, right? And in order to see woman to woman, the Mars aspect becomes even more crucial. Mm-hmm. And, well, the Venus and Mars aspect become crucial, but Mars for a very specific purpose in that if those women's two Mars are not interfacing in a certain way, you can bet your bottom dollar that's not going to be a happy marriage. The women's Mars should be synchronized in some way. Mm. The man and woman's Mars may not be so much so, but the the woman, two women, the, the women, the sister wives have to be in sync, martially speaking. So they should be in opposition. They should be trying. They can even be. They could even be in a four ten relationship to some degree. Mm. And those that study astrology know what I'm talking about. But you definitely don't want it to be in a six eight position or two twelve. You don't want that, right? Because then that's automatically going to be contention. 
So there's just certain things that you want to look for in those aspects of the chart as well, considering all people meet the requirements that were originally talked about. That's why it becomes a very complex thing. Polygyny is complex. Oh, yeah. You're managing multiple things simultaneously. (laughs) It's not easy, Greasy. But at the same time, the one thing I can tell you that is universal in all of it is there has to be a spiritual component in everybody's chart. It can't be mundane. This is not a mundane. This is, if you're doing it in the Western sense, it's a very spiritual exercise. Yeah. In the Eastern sense, it's very much practical. So, right, the spirituality piece becomes secondary because it's more, it's more oriented in and ingrained into society. Whereas in the West, it has to be more of a spiritual principle because you have to endure the onslaught and the resistance of society. And doing something that is considered taboo. Right. And so that's why societies like Asara said, um, societies like um, the Hebrew Israelites, um, even um, some Islamic sects, uh, kind of facilitate the, 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 the groundwork for things to be done in that way. Um, because you have to have some type of system to support it. Right? Yeah. Being going rogue with this, y'all, is rough, right? Going rogue and sound polygynist, you better be really sharp and tight, right? Without a system, of spiritual system especially, to support it, it's just very difficult. You know, and especially given all of the freedoms and the the the, the changes that are produced, in, I mean, you know, things change every month now. It seems like something is is old. It was not even old. I mean, what's old now is considered to me old is like four or five years, and we're now four or five months or something old. It's just things have changed. So, you know, the way things are now, people can pick it up, pick up polygyny, and put it down in two point three seconds. <laughs> They're yeah. done. You know what I mean? It's a fad. Yeah. Right. It's cute, right? Oh, uh, you know, I pose on the gram. Yeah. <laughs> Rahu rules fads. Yeah. It does. But uh, Rahu also rules ch- rules changes of consciousness as well. So, you know, kind of the extremes of the same rule. But uh, you know, I would say for the most part, those are the primary, you know, the moon is always a factor. And I didn't even mention the moon because those are the things that you always want to consider as the baseline of anyone's chart. If the moon is hammered, I don't care what it is you're going to do. <laughs> it's got to be rough. School, education, a job, let alone a relationship. With the moon challenged, it's always going to be rough. Life, life is rough because the moon represents life itself. Right. In a chart. So, you know, if you're seeing the party, somebody's moon is hammered and you're saying, wow, it's in the eighth house with aspect this, conjunct this, and it's in this, and this, da, da, da. it's got all these things going on. And you say, well, what about polygyny? <laughs> you know, what about life? Yeah, well. <laughs> Let's do that first. <laughs> Let's start living first. Then we can talk about marriage. 
But polygenism is an exercise that is a mental, it's a mental exercise. It's not emotional. And that being said, we'll add the last piece of the puzzle in to the equation. Last piece of the puzzle is the signs, right? And so the signs are key. And that when you're looking at signs, you, you definitely don't want someone to be overwhelmed in one type of sign, period. But you definitely want to watch out for water signs in regards to being um, heavily weighted. And when you're heavily weighted in water, the propensity to become jealous is higher, right? Yeah. I, I'm just going to keep it real, folks. I'm not going to candy coat this, right? Two of the most jealous signs in the Zodiac are Scorpio and Cancer. Specifically of Cancer, Ashlesha, which is oh, yeah. 16 degrees, 40 uh, minutes to 30 degrees uh, Cancer. It's the very end of Cancer. Yeah. And so that aspect is literally, right, governed by a serpent, the, the, the entity called um, Sarpa, right, uh, or, or Sheshesh, right, is a serpent that entwines, right, and squeezes and holds. Well, the cancer has claws, right? Yeah. For gripping and holding, right? Now, that portion of cancer is extremely jealous. And the sign of Scorpion, the sign of Scorpio itself is jealous. Right? So, given that, you got to be careful because you won't see it coming. <laughs> right, you think that all oh, is all good and everything's cool, but you're not paying attention to these water signs are very, very, very protective. Mm -hmm. Scorpio, very territorial. Sting you, you know, when, you <laughs> when you see the the stinger yeah. coming. Ping. Well, yeah, and <laughs> and the cancer will grip you to it squeezes you to death. Yeah. Right. So you're like, oh my god. I don't even know what I got into. What is this? And then I've had people, I've had, I've seen people with uh, stellium. I mean, I've had people come to me with at least three or four planets in Australasia alone. Mm -hmm. And I can almost guarantee when I mention relationship, it's the same story. How long did you squeeze the man or woman till they broke? <laughs> they like, What? You squeeze them to death. Well, they did that, da, 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 da. Yeah. but it was you holding on to the point where you couldn't. You till you squeeze the life force out of them, and then the relationship. Yeah, you're right. They usually admit it very quickly. Yeah. There's other zones in the zodiac that are rough, right? Um, maritally speaking, right. And so those are other, I mean, when, as an astrologer, then you begin to learn, you know, these zones, right? Like if you're, at, if someone has planets 
especially like Venus or the seventh lord at 10 degrees Scorpio, they're going to be completely overtaken by sexual urges. And I've seen it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Even nine degrees, 11 degrees Scorpio, yeah. Straight up and down. If a planet, let's say the person's seventh um, moon, let's say moon, Venus, or seventh floor is at three degrees, they have a very strong propensity to be married for a very long time. They can endure relationships. So, and it's almost like they're opposite ends of the same spectrum. One's three degrees, one's 10 degrees. Yeah. Right? I'm just saying, like, there's different zones, right? Aries, 14 degrees. Man. Yeah. 17 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) Rough areas for marriage. Yeah. So, you see, it just depends, right? There's just so many nuances, but you can still pretty much take what I've told you and apply it and see and test it and see if it doesn't work. Right. Those. It might be. I've seen because people say, well, Venus in the eighth house, eighth house. Venus is great. Actually, it's good for marriage. Excellent. Mm hmm. Because a person is going to, the, the person's in-laws is going to love them. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Like, very, yeah. Yeah. Venus in the eighth house, their, their, their family, their, their, the family, their husband's family or their wife's family loves them. Now, unless there's some other aspects going on right and again provided that they're both of the same racial or economic background these are other factors or for all intents and purposes everything the same then venus in the eighth house then the persons they're going to stay married for a very long time right they're going to keep their promise right trust and believe right so, and they may even stay married for a very long time and then divorce, but they will be married for at least 15, 10, I would say at least 10 years. At, 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 and if they divorce, it'd probably be 20 to 25 years. They just stay, people of Venus in the, in the eighth house marry very, stay very married for a very long time, right? Um, just kind of the way it works. So, you know, again, you want to look for certain just kind of key rhythmic patterns. If you see a lot of planets in Cancer and Scorpio, it doesn't mean it won't work. It just means there's got to be a lot of work <laughs> involved yeah. to make it happen, right? And the thing is, is once you overcome those things, those signs actually become the most loyal. They will not, they'll never give up. Because they've overcome those challenges of insecurities, which cancers can many times have, and the, the overcome the need for possession many times what Scorpios can have, right? Because Scorpios literally like to possess, right? That's that's their thing. So, <clears throat> nonetheless, um, I think we'll leave it at that. I think we've had a fairly 
um, decent show. And I think the next time we come on, we're going to have more filler in, some more information for the people, some things we got coming up. So definitely tune into the next show. Uh, it'll be a polygyny part two. So we'll kind of fill in some other things, talk about some other aspects and kind of tie it all in. Indeed. 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 Yeah. So, um, you know, as you can see, um, especially in a modern context, it's a <laughs> it's a complex situation and in its own and looking at it astrologically can be a bit complex as well. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, um, want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprucia Astrology and our patrons. And I want to, you know, um, like I said, you know, shows like this or, you know, different um, things that you may want to hear. Um, Patreon is the best way to get that done, you know, because you really, you know, get the opportunity to really engage with us on a different level. Um, and we really do take, you know, your, um, contributions and stuff into consideration and, you know, tie it into the show. Um, and like I said, there's even an option out there for you to even be on the show. So, um, I definitely encourage you all to go check us out on Patreon and, um, you know, help us to, you know, push you forward and help us, you know, take this show to another level as well. All right. Um, you know, this this is definitely a great show. Um, great perspective on it, you know, indeed. So I know a lot of y'all going to be sitting there <laughs> looking at your charts <laughs> and stuff like that in the comments or in, in the DMs asking us, man, is this just, you know, what about, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that that's all good. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, marriage in general is a very, serious institution so you definitely want to make sure that you you got your head in the right place um regardless of what type of marriage it is um so on that note um we're gonna go ahead and close it out we went over a little bit but you know it's all good um brother why you got anything you want to say before we um go ahead and close it down Nah, folks just uh you know Definitely spread the word, you know, get it out there. You know, we've got some new followers. Um, you've all have interacted with me and uh, definitely much appreciated. Uh, much appreciated to the folks that, uh, you know, uh, support us on Patreon. Um, as this grows and you all help us grow, we can get it. We can we can make this even bigger and better um, and bring on stuff and and people in uh, different uh, formats that, you know, can can make this uh uh quite interesting so i can thank everybody i want to thank everybody that uh has contributed and uh again you know get get the word out you know send it out to your family and folks that are interested in, in these kind of topics indeed indeed so with that being said um i want to thank you all for tuning in and uh we will be back next week with another great show for you in the meantime, you know, make sure everybody, you know, you say stay, <clears throat> my bad, say um, stay safe, healthy, vibrant, and um, we'll see you all next week. All right. Peace. Peace.